Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. We're so glad that you're uh, joining us today. And uh, this Pentecost Sunday, the Pentecost is a day where we celebrate uh, the Holy Spirit coming on every single person. It wasn't just the case of in the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit was just on the anointed few. It's Pentecost is when we celebrate the Holy Spirit, power of God coming into every single one of us. And it's something to remind ourselves, especially during this period of lockdown, when we all we know is restrictions, restrictions, restrictions. I, I know there are some lifting of those restrictions happening, um, but the truth is we're still not there yet. And it's still easy to look around and see all the stuff we haven't got and we can't do. But to, it's good to stop, remember that God has given us his spirit. That God is with us wherever we go, in those conversations that I know so many folks are, ha- are having, in those visits that people are doing on birthday treats and, and boarding bags and food parcels and, and just phone calls, is God's spirit is in the midst of all of those. Whether you're feeling up or down, God's spirit is with us. That's the great news of Pentecost. And I want to just sort of cheer on uh, Waypoint Church, cheer you on for what you're doing, you're connecting, you're giving, you're serving and making a difference. As a church, we're continuing to try to make a difference, obviously with the Help Hub, but also those conversations. And thank you for that. We also are just so appreciative of your giving towards just our, our general fund as a church. We as a church are still um, growing and doing things. We're also still serving uh, other mission partners around the world and helping those, understanding that God's church isn't just local. It's not just one or two of us. It's around the world and we're part of that. So this Pentecost Sunday, let's celebrate that the Spirit of God is in every follower and that we can tap straight into him right now. As we are about to to launch into our, our next part of Daniel and some worship, I want us to stop and just to acknowledge that in prayer and welcome God in. So let's do that now. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being a God of love who looks at us and reaches out and wants to know us, who has done everything through Jesus. I thank you also, Father, that you give us your Holy Spirit to to be with us, to be the guarantee, the deposit of your promise and your presence in us. I thank you, God, that we can join with you and that you still speak to us. Father, we pray as as we look at your word, as we worship, that we will connect. We will know more of you. But Father, I also want to just pray that we will open up, that we may give ourselves to you. You you are an incredible, generous God, but you're also a God who calls us to follow, a God who calls us to, to walk with you. And Father, right now, we want to just focus our minds, open our hearts and say, Jesus, will you reveal more of yourself to us, that we might be changed that we may know your comfort, your guidance, your power, your presence right here and right now. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you're part of our wider church, you would have received an email with some worship links. Uh, I want to encourage you to to take some time and to worship. Maybe right now you want to just pause and and to worship or at the end of the talk is to, to stop and to worship. Worship is such an important thing where we give glory to God, where we lift our eyes, where we open our hearts, where we are transformed by being in the presence of God as we give him worth. Whether you want to use some of the playlists we have given you or your own uh, CD music that you connect with God with, it's fine. Just stop and give worship to God. Sing a new song 
to the Lord. In this time of lockdown where we can't do stuff, what we can do is lift our voices, lift our hearts and connect. So can I encourage you to do that? In our mornings together, we are looking through uh, the book of Daniel under the title of Living in Plan B. It's how do we have a, a faith that thrives when we find ourselves in a position that we wouldn't have chosen in Plan B of our lives? I, I think Plan A is we all have this ideal of how we would like life to be. But the truth is we are in Plan B. Uh, lockdown is one plan B, but there's other plan Bs of, of maybe with health or with relationships or with finances or with work. There's lots of things that happen in our lives that we wouldn't have chosen, but this is where we are. And Daniel, it gives us some really good truths, some really uh, helpful pointers of how do we thrive? How do we live in plan B with our faith and connecting with God? If you missed out on the first three we looked at in Daniel 1, 2 and 3, catch up on our YouTube channel or on our podcast and listen to some of those really valuable, helpful truths of living in plan B. Today we're combining two chapters. We're looking at Daniel 4 and Daniel 5. They're two very different stories, but they come under a common theme. And uh, if you have time to read through both of those chapters, uh, right now, though, Kathy's going to just read um, a section of Daniel chapter 5. It, it refers to 4 as well, but Jan Daniel chapter 5, verses 18 to 31. So listen as Kathy reads that to you. The reading is Daniel 5, verses 17 until 31. Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to somebody else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your Majesty, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and people of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and your nobles. Your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written, Mena, Mena, Tekel, Parsin. And here's what the words mean. Mena, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Peres, 
your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. The common theme um, of both Daniel 4 and 5 is one of God challenging pride, uh, of pride in King Nebuchadnezzar and pride in King Belshazzar. Now, now, pride is what well, the truth of living in plan B is, that I want to share. I think we need to grab hold of is this, is that we need to beware of pride. We need to beware of pride because pride is one of those weird things that, well, I wonder, is there anything that you're proud of, an achievement that you've done? Maybe a qualification that you you have done after lots of working. Maybe you've uh, achieved a certain grade on an instrument. Maybe you've achieved a promotion or maybe you built a church building and together and raised money. You've something you've achieved that actually you're going, I'm, you know, I'm pretty proud of that. It, it might be something as straightforward as, you know, you've only gained half a stone during lockdown. Now, are these things to be proud of? And I've, I think, yes. I think in scripture, we also see that the apostle Paul in uh, Corinthians, he writes to the, the Corinth church. He says, be proud uh, of himself and Timothy. He also says, I'm proud of you guys. So we have this pride that, that is good, but we also come across pride that, that isn't good. In Daniel 4 and 5, God challenges pride really clearly. In Proverbs, it says that, that pride comes before a downfall or before a fall. In James 4, it says that God opposes the pride, sorry, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So, so the Bible sort of says there is pride, but there's no pride. And, and how, how do we work that out? Psalm 10 verse 4 gives us a real insight. It said, it said, the wicked in their pride, they have no place for God. The reason the Bible warns us about pride and says to beware about pride is because what pride does is pride pushes God out and puts us in, me in the middle. It says, I am the most important and God, it shifts you out. So it, it's okay I think, to be proud of certain things. But we need to be careful because pride can move from that place of OK to the place of not OK. It's a bit like, well, I think it's a bit like greed. You know, it's easy to spot that in other people, greed and pride in other people. But it's something that can seep into our own lives. During, during lockdown, we've gone on lots of walks, as I'm sure many of you have. And one of our favorite walks is along the River Hamble, which is just down from our house. And along that journey, you, you can see some very big houses that overlook uh, the, the River Hamble. I mean, some huge, I mean, hotel size houses. And, and part of our conversation is, imagine being isolated in a house like that. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever had a conversation like that, but if you've seen some of these big houses, I'm sure you have. And a very different experience to what you have in isolation and other people in, in worse situations have. You look at these big places and you're going, wow, that's incredible. And, and I think that's normal and I think that's okay. But then we can find ourselves moving on a little bit more and going, so what, why can't I have a place like that? I wish I could have. And you begin to plot and scheme, well, well, how do I get that? I need to do that. What do I need to do? And we can get obsessed with that a wee bit. 
I quoted a chap called Tillich last week, and he said, whatever concerns you most, whatever you, you think about most, whatever impacts your life the most, becomes your God. And I think what happens with greed and pride is that when we begin to focus too much on it, is it moves it from a normal response as of being proud of something, going, isn't that an amazing house? To, I want that, I need that, it becomes more of me. It pushes God out and it pushes us, it puts something else in that God place. Please hear me, I think it's good to be proud of an accomplishment. It's good to be proud when you got a job, a promotion. It's good to be proud of our church and the things that we're doing at the moment with reaching our community. I'm really proud of that. I hope you are as well, because I think that's really good. The challenge is, is when it becomes the center thing of look how good we are, I am, that that's when we need to just beware. The truth of Daniel 4 and 5 is beware of pride. A couple of things about pride I want to I want to pull from these um, both these chapters. The first one is this, is that that pride has different names. Pride has different names, different disguises. Um, author and writer and, and real popular speaker, a chap, chap called John Mark Comer, he says this. He says uh, the drug of our time is accomplishment and accumulation. So the thing that our culture often seeks after, wants after, thinks this is what's going to give me that lift, that fill, that fulfillment. What I need is, is accomplishment. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at all that I've done and or accumulation. I need stuff, the more stuff. For when, when I've achieved lots and people recognize that and I recognize that or if I, if I gather lots is then I find contentment. Then I find um, hope and then I find meaning. And he calls them drugs because I think so often we find ourselves chasing after that. Now, that may seem a long way away from what we traditionally think of as pride. But it's interesting to look at Daniel 4 and 5. These, both these kings, Nebuchadnezzar and, and Balthazar, is what they are, are challenged on are actually Nebuchadnezzar going, at, look at what I have accomplished. And Balthazar saying, look what I have accumulated. And they're both labelled as pride. Let me just take those in, in, in turn. So Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. You, you may remember he had a dream in chapter 4, sorry, in chapter 2 about a statue and, and Daniel interpreted that. Um, well, here he has another dream sent by God and Daniel interprets it. And, it's, and he's saying, Neb, is because of your pride is God is going to take you down. And, and, and Neb goes, yeah, 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 yeah. And then a year passes and we pick it up in Daniel 4, verse 30. Uh, is walking along the, the city walls and going, look at all I have achieved. Look at my accomplishments. To my glory, all of this has been done. And, and he actually had a lot to be proud of because this is a guy who established an incredible nation, put an incredible political system. He built it up. It really was his leadership that, that built up this incredible, massive empire. He had built a lot up. But the thing is, he also had some encounters with God. Remember the dream interpretation in Daniel 2. Remember in Daniel 3 with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego um, surviving that furnace and him seeing God step in, this almighty God who's clearly bigger than him stepping in. Now, despite seeing that, he still went, yeah, but look at what I have accomplished. Look at how what I've built. And what he had done is he displaced a 
big God, a central God with, hey, I'm bigger and more important. Now, I appreciate that most of us have not built big empires, big cities and things. But the truth is we can relate to that because sometimes our accomplishments, our achievements um, can can take that center space and it can be moved from, from being proud of something that we've done to becoming the defining thing of who we are. It become the thing that, that who we say, who we tell people we are. And the Bible calls that pride. And we need to beware of that. It's an easy thing that can sneak in. I remember the first time that I spoke at Spring Harvest on the big top and there was like 4,000 people. I was asked to speak the final day. So everyone's really charged up and excited and I'm on this big stage and I, I prayed and I worked a lot. I must have gone through my sermon 50 or 60 times before I actually did it live. Um, I, I did it and I think it went well and, and I just thank God for the opportunity. And after it, we left and, and we went and collected our kids from their groups. Kathy then shot off to get some food and I'm sat, sat there with the kids. And some people were walking by. Obviously, they, they recognized me from speaking at the big event just a, a couple hours earlier. And some smiled and some said, you know, well done. And I did the, old, you know, just thanks, just serving God. But then I found something interesting happening in me. I began to start watching people waiting for them to comment. It's so easy for for pride to sneak in, turning from God. I am so thank you, thankful for this opportunity to, oh, well, people recognize that. And, and by the way, please keep encouraging people. We need to encourage, encourage, encourage. It's not your job to deal with the pride. That's a God job and, and our personal that we do ourselves. Please encourage. We need to encourage. The Bible says a lot about that. But it's very easy to find. Our, our thanking God for giving opportunity to going, look at how good I've done. Now, God reminded me in that, that, that situation, God gave me a nudge and he said, yeah, Mark, well done. You just spoke at Butlins. And, and I thought, yeah, I, I need just to be thankful that God could actually, would actually choose to use me. And, and it's a really important thing to understand that pride can sneak in. It can sneak into every single one of us. When we are talking about some of our accomplishments, some of the things we've done, even some small things that we've done, is that when we find that we are telling lots of people about what we've done and what we've achieved, when we're walking around with our CV effectively at work or with our friends or with our family, we need to beware of pride. An interesting question to ask ourselves is this, is if someone else was given the same opportunities as we would, as we were given, would they do better? And this is not about a guilt thing to go, oh yeah, it's to remind ourselves that We are where we are because God has given us opportunity and it needs to overflow with thankfulness. Is thankfulness is that really good thing that combats this pride of look at what I've achieved. It's good to say, thank you, God, for what you've given me. But we just to be careful that pride can sneak in under this accomplishment and look what I've done to the glory of me that that Neb said. Now, King Balthazar was was something different. His wasn't actually accomplishment. His was more, I would say, accumulating power. Now, when when Neb died, this big king, Nebuchadnezzar died, and then who succeeded him was a a chap called uh, Nebodim. Now, Nebodim um, was was the king. And then you think, well, where was Balthazar? Now, Balthazar was uh, Nebodim's son. But something very interesting to, to, to happen here, we need to just to see this is the reason that Belshazzar was called king and he had his position was that he inherited it. In fact, he didn't just inherit it. What he did is he did a coup and rebelled against his dad and kicked his dad out of Babylon. 
You, you may know in the story that, that whoever could interpret the writing on the wall was offered the third highest place in the kingdom. Why the third highest place? Is because dad had number one, Belshazzar had number two, and that was the first place he could do. And that was happening here. I also know if you're into the scripture, you'll see it referred to Nebuchadnezzar as his father. That could easily be translated as ancestor or forefather. So, so it's not really a problem if you know the Hebrew. So what we have here is, uh, is Belshazzar in this position where he got it because he didn't build it up like Neb did. What he did is he grabbed hold of it and got it. Is He did a coup and he, he took what wasn't rightfully his and by, by force. And that made him quite arrogant as in, look what I've acquired. Look what I've done. Aren't I great because I've grabbed it? Look around. Surely I wouldn't be in this position of power if it, if it wasn't because I was great. And that impacted how he acted. We read at the beginning of chapter five that he threw a party for a thousand nobles and their concubines. Uh, it, it's, and they drank a lot. In four verses, the word drink mentioned five times. Uh, and they drank and drank and drank. They were really indulging in, in a huge way. And in that place of arrogance, and look what I have, and look at my position, is he went further. He, he said, I know Nebuchadnezzar was afraid to do this. I'm not. And he asked for the, the gold and the silver goblets that were taken from the temple of Jerusalem years earlier. He said, bring them out. So these dedicated items, he was using it in, in this debauched situation and he was toasting other gods. And he said, because I'm great, look at my position. And it's really important to understand that his pride was based on not what he had built, but what he had grabbed, what he had accumulated. Now, again, you may say that's a long way away from me, but I think that these things can sneak into us as well. I was chatting to someone, a member of our church, and he said in his workplace, it was a bit of a tough situation. He said, I did this massive presentation. I did all this work. I showed it to my director. My director then took it, used it and claimed all the credit for himself. See, I think that's what pride does. What pride does is it grabs and say it has things and it has position, it has stuff. And it says it's that's because of me. It's because I'm important. You know, whenever we take credit for something we haven't done, Whenever we, we, even on a small thing, whether it's something you've cooked or copyright or something, and you're just saying, oh, it's mine, and it's not really. So often it's pride because it says, look how good I am. It builds myself up with the stuff I have. See, pride sneaks itself in. We need to beware of pride because it comes in on our accomplishments and it comes with our achievements and it comes with what we accumulate. Please hear me right from the start. I said, you know, actually, I think having pride on achieving things is good. But when it displaces God from the center, there's a real danger zone. And that's the second thing I want to just pull out from these, these chapters. Is besides pride having different names and, and different looks, it also has big consequences. Now, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, they both saw that consequences. At Neb, it said that when he, when he was boasting of that, as God stepped in, he lost that royal mantle. He, he actually lost his mind. He, he had, a, we're guessing, a mental breakdown for seven years. He lost all power, all authority until he humbled himself. Uh, Belshazzar was, was slightly different. What he did is he's having this party, as I said, with lots of drink and things like going on. It is, is he, in the midst of this arrogance that he was showing is literally a hand came and wrote on the wall. So I'm sure many of us wish God would speak to us really clearly. 
I want to just suggest don't ask for God to write on the wall because this was a really serious thing. It scared him to death. He said the hand came in and his knees were knocking and as in this was terrifying. And, and what God said is you have been weighed and found wanting. He says your days are numbered. And that night he died. Now that, that's pretty serious consequences about pride. It was because of pride that, that God took him out. But I want us to just see something else is, is the consequences of pride aren't just on ourselves when we walk in pride as we need to look out because it's challenging God. But also pride has consequences for those around us. King Neb, when he had his, his dream and, and God said, you know, humble yourself or you know, I'm going to take it, take it away from you. Daniel in chapter four, verse 27, he, he says this. He said, King, you know, he, he, said, he said, King, repent of your sins and be kind to the oppressed. Now that infers that the re- while he was building up this great achievement portfolio is he wasn't kind to the oppressed and he wasn't actually acting in a way that was honorable to God. But this being kind to the oppressed is something really clear that sometimes when we follow our accomplishments, when we are chasing after our goal, we are so fixed on getting this thing that we are so proud of is that we can hurt other people is that we ignore needs that are around us people who are around us is that's what nebuchadnezzar was doing by by daniel saying that be kind to the oppressed clearly because he hadn't been kind to the oppressed with us is we need to understand that that as we focus on our stuff is that it makes us blind to other people around us belster had the same thing in his party in his drinking while they're having party they're actually, the city was under attack. The enemy was at the gate. It, it fell that night. The whole city fell that night. But the enemy were at the gate. Imagine if you were part of the crowd. You weren't in, in this royal privilege and you knew that outside there was an enemy at the gate pressing in. Imagine the fear and the uncertainty because instead of the leaders gathering an army, focusing, being an example, what they were is they were oblivious to everyone else because they were so full of their pride and their position. I'm sure you probably noticed this week um, Dominic Cubbings being a little bit focused in the news, how, how with COVID symptoms, he just went and did his own thing. Millions of people around our country are, are restricting and, and not seeing family and friends and can't get to our funerals and, and so many restrictions. And then we hear of this government official, this high, high up position person basically does what he thinks best in his own right. Now, whether that's pride or not, um, I'll leave that up to you to um, to discern. But in well, his insistence that he was right, it actually impacts all of us. It makes all of us go, wait a minute. Well, what are we are we doing it right? Does it really matter? Because this is what pride does. It hurts those around us. The greatest commandment you'll know, Jesus said, is to to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What pride does, as we learn from Psalm 10, verse 4, is pride pushes God out of that center spot. So it's not loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What it does is it says, I'm more important. So it breaks that law. But also love your neighbor as yourself. Is if you're oblivious to those around because you're so focused on what you want and putting you center, is it breaks that commandment as well. So it's not, not a surprise that the Bible is really against pride taking hold because it breaks the greatest commandments so these things about pride beware of pride why because well it takes on many different names and can sneak in quite easily 
Secondly, it has bigger consequences on those around. And finally, is to remind ourselves that we are called to live a different way. Daniel 5 has a new king or a new regent in place. And Daniel, who has been uh, just a man of faith we've been watching through over previous chapters, Daniel is not on the scene. Daniel, who once was an advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar, proven interpreter of dreams and, and promoted as a result. What we find here is him out of the scene. It looks like King Belshazzar didn't even know who he was. He was just, you know, previous fame, pension off, away he goes. But what we find is that Daniel was not chasing after uh, and putting his hope and his confidence in his accomplishments or what he accumulated, that power and wealth and things like that. That wasn't how we define himself. Because what we find is when he's wheeled in and he's offered, I'm going to give you the third highest place. I'll give you a robe. I'll give you position and power. He's good. I don't want any of that. Because why? He wasn't focused on that. Who he was, his, his focus, his definition, what was his motivation, what was his drug, to, to, to use the word uh, um, that John Mark Comer used, uh, was not to actually to get that high from achieving stuff and accumulating stuff. It was actually by walking with God. We're going to look next week at Daniel 6 and see how he walked with God. But what we see here is that pride was not the thing that grabbed his heart. It was actually humility before God. See, because the opposite of pride is humility. Daniel wasn't grabbing after, oh, I can re-secure re what I used to be. He said, no, no, who I am is a follower of God. God is the one who, who lifts up and who takes down. God is the one who puts things in place. God is the one who I am a follower of. In this plan B, whether it goes good or bad, I am a follower of God. And that's what he did. And he humbled himself. In Philippians 2, we're called to be humble as, as Jesus is humble. Jesus, who, although God did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped at. He wasn't forever saying, oh yeah, but I am God, I am God. Is what he did is he humbled himself and he became one of us. He humbled himself to die on a cross. And what God did, God the Father raised him from death and he gave him a name above all other names, a name that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess. See, humility is the way of God. James 4 verse 6 is that God opposes the proud, but gives grace. He lifts up the humble. We see this in Daniel 4 and 5. We see the proud taken out and we see the humble lifted up. Now, this truth about living in plan B, about beware of pride, it's not a case of don't be proud, be humble. Because I, I think there's a blurry line in this. Because, you know, like I said, with greed, how do you know if you're being greedy? How do you know if you're being proud? It's, I say it's, what direction are you going? I think we need to keep asking ourselves is, am I going down the line that gives more glory to me? Or am I going down the line of giving more glory to God? In all of our conversations, not just in our big things, but in our small things, in, in the way that we live, in the way that we work, in the way that we have communications with other people. Is it for the glory of me or is it for, for the glory of God? To end on uh, another quote from John Mark Comer, he said, the, the, thing that we, the thing that we give our attention to is the person we become. Which way are you headed? Where are you giving attention? When we beware of pride and we seek to give God glory. What happens is God gets glory and we get lifted up. Let's pray.
Father, I want to thank you for your, your word being so, so applicable to our everyday lives. Although this, these things happened thousands of years ago, it's still relevant to today. Father, I'm sorry for the times when I, when we have, have pursued things that push you out of our lives. And I thank you, God, that in you is grace, is hope, is, is this, this offer of walking with you and knowing you more. Father, as we ponder and reflect on pride and and how that may impact us, some of us are going, no, I'm I'm good. And others are going, oh, I need to address. But Father, whichever, wherever we are on that spectrum, I pray that we all just beware of it and say, God, am I heading towards giving glory to you or glory to myself? God, I want my life to be giving glory to you again and again. I want you to be the one I follow. I want you to be the one who's God of my life. God, help me with that. Help us with that. And I thank you as we open up to you. You come in and you help us. For you oppose the proud, but you give grace, give strength, lift up those who are humble. So we come before you, God, and say, will you step in and help? Amen. Thank you for for joining us. If you want to chat a little bit more, if you want someone to, to pray with you or to just to, to continue the conversation, uh, you can, if you're on church line, you can press the pray now button. Please do that. If you're watching this on, a, on another sort of platform, uh, please email us, call us or someone in your small group or another person. It doesn't have to be an official church person. Let it be another believer that you walk with, be accountable to and grow with. For remember Pentecost is the Holy Spirit is on every single one of us. So allow the Spirit of God to move in you, through you, and those fellow Christians around you, that we may grow and give glory together. And not just survive plan B, but that we may thrive in plan B, individually and as a church. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your day and the rest of your week.